Your weekend begins in Crystal Palette's wine country with sommelier Crystal Cameron Shad. Every week, Crystal takes your palate on a journey from the vineyard to the glass and opens your mind to the endless choices that await your next sip. Uncork your passion starting now on your trip through wine country on Seaville 1075 and 1260 WCHV. And good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we're going to spend some time talking about the 2017 Virginia Governor's Cup. The Governor's Cup case and the grand winner will be announced this coming Tuesday at a private event in Richmond, but the gold medal winners have already been released. Our special guest today is Jay Omens. Uh, Jay is a master of wine, advanced sommelier, owner of the Capital Wine School in Washington, D.C., and the judging director for the Virginia Governor's Cup, just to name a few of his accolades. He's joining us now by the phone to tell us all about this year's competition. Jay, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. It is a pleasure to have you on. And now the competition uh, has been going on for about 35 years. I understand you've been involved for six years as, uh, as running the competition. So tell us a little bit about this, because from what I understand, this is actually one of the most stringent and rigid wine competitions in the country. The competition, uh, as you mentioned, has been going on for a while. Uh, I was approached about six years ago by the Virginia Wine Marketing or Virginia Wine Board, and I think what they were looking to do was to make it uh, a little more stringent, a little more consistency in the judging, and um, it's been a it's been a real pleasure to be involved with it. Uh, I've learned a lot about the industry and um, had a lot of fun doing it. And we've just seen so much, um, so much growth in the industry, especially over the past decade. Talk a little bit about the actual judging panel, how many judges are involved, and what kind of scoring technique do you use? And then we'll get into the winners. The competition's a little unique in that it's, it's actually done, it's actually two competitions. There's a, a preliminary competition where I bring in uh, panels of six judges. And uh, we work our way through the wines. Uh, this, this past year, we had, I think, 496 wines submitted. And what we do with the, at the preliminary stage is we award medals, but we also, uh, the plan is to come up with the top 120 wines, which will advance. And those wines are then judged by 15 judges that we bring in from around the country, sometimes around the world. Uh, we've had... Uh, judges come in from Europe, and they'll score the wines. And that second final stage is really done to determine the Governor's Cup case, mm. which is 12 wines, the top uh, 12 wines that score the highest on average. And then what is done is uh, those cases, mixed cases, are sent out to wine writers all over the world. And it's it's done a great job in, in creating, you know, uh, PR and, and articles about the industry, but it is a very difficult uh, competition. Um, everything's done on a hundred-point scale, and for a wine to get a gold medal, it has to average among the judges uh, above a ninety-point score, which is pretty. It, it's very hard to do that. In my view, we had twenty, twenty-five wines that were very close that should have been golds, could have easily been golds, but. You know, mathematically, they didn't, they didn't make it above that 90-point range, and so they were high-scoring silvers. I think that's what a lot of, um, you know, d- d- regular wine consumers don't understand, or maybe they're just dis- disconnected a little bit, that getting a 90-plus points on any wine scale is incredibly hard to get that rating. Very hard. 
uh, almost impossible. So, you know, as good as the wines are that are in the case and that have gotten gold, there are a lot of really outstanding wines that are that just miss it. And uh, unfortunately, it is it's just it's just a function of the way we have the competition set up. But um, what what makes it exciting for me is that there are so many other wines that are really high quality that are in that silver range. And and I tell people all the time that really uh, to get a silver in our competition is like a gold in a lot of other wine competitions around the country. Yeah, so if you scored an 88, 89, there is nothing to sneeze at. That's still an awesome score for a wine to get. And I think that's something when you're when you're shopping and you're looking at just all the different wine critics and the wine scores and there's people, I only drink 90 points or higher, you're missing out on a lot of really fabulous wines. Absolutely. I, I could put together a list of, you know, 50 silver medal wines that you could submit them into other competitions and they would easily score, score gold. But... Uh, I, what that the good news for consumers is there's a lot of good wine being made in the state right now. Oh, there really is. And I, I moved to Virginia about 10 years ago, and I'm just, I've been amazed at just the growth of the industry, but also the quality of the industry. And speaking of gold, let's talk about the gold medalists. Uh, I believe there was 23 uh, that got 90 points or higher, and a lion's share of those were, were red wines, particularly Bordeaux blends, which I found kind of interesting, especially when you look at maybe 10, 15 years ago, Virginia wasn't really on, on the radar of a lot of people, but let alone for their red selection. And, and the real surprise this year, uh, the Bordeaux blends, or Meritage wines, if you will, these are wines made up of great varieties such as Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, Malbec. They've scored, since I've been involved with the competition, they've always dominated the, uh, the governor's case. Uh, um, and, and why? Because there's some really good wines being made in the state. And uh, but the surprise this year was I think we had uh, a number of really outstanding Petit Verdots, which scored gold and, and high silver medals. Yeah, when I was looking at the list, we've got, uh, you said, numerous Petit Verdots, the Meritage, Cabernet Franc, um, really the Bordeaux blends. And I know that you had spoken before, um, I believe you did a presentation a few years back at one of the big wine conferences asking or posing the question, uh, is Virginia the Bordeaux of North America? And you had to get some pushback or some funny looks for that, right? Well, yeah, you know, everybody has preconceived ideas about what Virginia is capable of. But I, I truly believe that, um, like Bordeaux, our weather is more variable, you know, than, than if you were to compare it to, say, Napa Valley, where they, you know, a bad year in Napa Valley, we would, we would easily take here in Virginia. You know, they just don't have bad years. They have near-perfect growing conditions. Um, you know, what we, the challenge that we have, which is the challenge that you find in Bordeaux, is um, we can get rain at some critical stages toward the end of the harvest or during the end of the growing season. We're a little warmer than Bordeaux, but we get a little more rain. Bordeaux um, arguably is the greatest red wine region in the world. Um, you could argue Napa and other places around the world, but I think Bordeaux, we're, I think our, what we face in terms of the weather every year is much more comparable to what you see in Bordeaux than, than anywhere else in the world. You know, the other, it's interesting you m mentioned that presentation because this past year, the presentation I gave was really, is, is Virginia, you know, attempting to produce the most diverse range of grape varieties of any wine region in the world? I believe that. I mean, we, we do hybrids. We do native grapes. Um, 
there are people experimenting around with grapes like Alberino, Fiano, Fermentino, just some of the whites, and then the reds, Tanat and Petit Verdot, and but a range of other grapes as well. So it's exciting. Grapes like Tariga Nacional that you find in, in Portugal. Um, so what what's really what I, I find interesting about Virginia is um, much more what you would find maybe in northern Spain, France. Um, that's the great varieties that are that are found in those areas. A lot of the wineries here in Virginia are, are experimenting with right now. Well, and as a master of wine, Jay, you you taste. You've traveled the world extensively. You taste. I I don't even want to guess how many wines you taste per year. Um, just to you know, for your credential, yeah. and then to you know, I'm sure people are sending you wines left and right. So to make these statements that you know, Virginia's really hanging our hat on a variety of things, not just we probably shouldn't just pick that one or two things, or 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 kind of be put in a box, if you will. Well, exactly, and I I think uh, part you know we do have. A challenging climate in terms of the of the weather, you know, the amount of rain and the humidity we deal with, and the and the heat, and I think part of the evolution of Virginia is finding not only what grape varieties will do best, but what grape varieties will sell, in in terms of the wine, and finding the right sites to grow them in in the state. And I think we haven't found all the greatest vineyard sites yet, and we haven't found all the great the the grapes that will be successful here. We have a grape that's going to do well, but also make a wine that people are going to want to buy. I think that's a really key component that you just put out there. If they can't pronounce the name, chances are the average consumer is not going to pick it up. So it's that bridge of finding the right location, the right grapes that grow well here, and obviously consumer demand. It's all part of the equation. It is. You know, I know uh, a few years back, Viognier was named the, the state, mm-hmm. you know, the signature grape of the state. And and I, I think Virginia is making fantastic Viognier. What we're trying to do, what what the producers are trying to do though is is tweak that a little bit and find versions of Viognier that the consumer will 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 like. Um, I think the consumer likes Viognier. What the challenge has been has actually been the trade. You know, restaurants, particularly Psalms, Viognier is is a great variety or produces a wine that a lot of Psalms don't like. Not because it mm. doesn't taste good, but because it's fairly low in acidity and and acidity is what makes a wine easier to pair with food. So what I'm seeing among producers in Virginia is they're, they're adding a little bit of, to their Viognier, they're adding a little bit of, say, Petit Mansang, mm-hmm. which has high acidity, and or maybe some Chardonnay to, you know, round it out, fatten it up a little bit. And, yeah, I think King family's um, doing the uh, Petit Mansang, and what a, I just had their recent vintage, and it, that acidity from the Petit Mansang really makes that wine pop and makes it much more approachable with food. Absolutely. So I, I think... So there you go where Vignet is being tweaked and refined and we're figuring out how to how to how to make it to where the consumer and the trade, you know, the restaurants um, will embrace it as well. We're going to take a quick break, Jay. And on the other side, we're going to unveil the gold medal winners for 2017. And then a little later on the show, I want to talk a little bit about the path to becoming a master of wine. We've gotten a lot of buzz over the Psalm documentary over the past few years. And I'd love for you to talk to our audience a little bit about the master of wine path. Wine Studio, understanding our world through wine and our part in that world. Wine Studio is a Twitter-based beverage education program produced by certified sommelier Tina Mori, who's worked in the food and wine industry for over 20 years. Wine Studio is grassroots marketing for beverage brands, regional organizations, PR firms, all who would like to reach millions each weekly session. 
Wine Studio also benefits tasting participants who meet winemakers, taste exciting wines, and become involved with beverage cultures from all over the world. Follow the Twitter hashtag, Wine Studio. That's hashtag Wine Studio, Tuesdays, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and join the conversation. For more information, visit winestudiotina.weebly.com. And welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for staying with us. If you are just tuning in today, uh, Jay Yeomans, who is a master of wine and the owner of Capital Wine School up in D.C., uh, he is also the judging director for the Virginia Governor's Cup. And that's what we've been talking about today, the Virginia Governor's Cup. And there was 23 gold medalists this year that scored 90 points or higher and uh, out of nearly 500 entries. So, Jay, I want to run through this list real quick, and I want to kind of see if there are any big surprises to you, okay? Sure. So uh, without further ado, Barbersville is uh, two awards, their Cabernet Franc and their Pasito, which is a dessert wine. Uh, Bro Vineyards, they won gold for two Meritage blends. Cardinal Point, a Union Red Blend 2014. Cross Key Vineyards, Cabernet Franc, Horton, Viognier, Ingleside, Petit Verdot, Jefferson, Meritage, and Petit Verdot. Uh, King Family won three awards for their Petit Verdot, Brut Sparkling, and one of their dessert wines. Michael Schaps is on the list. Meritage, Cab Franc. Pollock Vineyards, their Cab Franc Reserve. Sunset Hills, their Mosaic Red Blend. Barnes at Hamilton Station, Cab Sauve, and their Meritage. Upper Shirley Vineyards, uh, their Red Blend. Valley Road, Petit Verdot, Veritas, Petit Verdot and Petit Mensang. So that's a lot of reds. I think there's 18 reds out of the 23 gold finalists, uh, gold medal winners, excuse me. Any big surprises on that list to you this year? Well, the, the Petit Verdots were a, a bit of a surprise. Um, and also we had some dessert wines that scored very, very well, which isn't a surprise. Uh, and and I've, I've been involved with a number of competitions, more on the judging side, but uh, reds and dessert wines always score a little higher among ju- judges. <clears throat> um, it just it's it's a it's a bias mm. uh, that judges have, even if they don't realize it. Um, it's harder for them to award white wines the same kind of scores that a that an outstanding red or dessert wine, <clears throat> excuse me, will uh, will receive. And we've tried to address that. Um, you know what what I want your listeners to be aware of is that. Uh, this is a no, no. This is not an indication of that the fact that there's not a lot of great whites. There are. It's just in the, the judging. Um, it just seems that the reds tend to score a little higher. And um, you know, I could pick twelve whites that didn't make that weren't awarded gold medals, and um, you you would have some outstanding wines. A lot of a lot of uh, some outstanding Viognier. Some. Incredible Chardonnays, Petit Mansang. Uh, there was an Albarino that was uh, from Afton Mountain. And there's a couple of really outstanding Albarinos being made in the state. But they didn't, they, they didn't quite make that, that cut. So there is, there is always kind of a bias towards the Reds. We've tried to address that in the competition. But it's, uh, it's something that just happens every year, it seems like. That's a really interesting point to make, too, that uh, there tends to be this inherent bias for the reds uh, over the whites. I think that's just a little good piece of information for consumers to kind of take with them. Uh, In the last segment, we talked a lot about um, the growth of the industry here in Virginia. Where do you see Virginia in the next decade as someone that's really traveled the world extensively and, you know, you're so experienced in wine regions all over the world? Where do you see um, the growth in Virginia over the next decade and where do you see it ranking, if you will? We're ranked in the top 
you know, I think we're ranked like fifth, um, depending on, on, on how you look at it, either fifth, sixth, seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, it, on the East Coast, I would say really it's Virginia and the Finger Lakes are the top wine producing regions. Um, I know my friends in Maryland will be upset with me. Maryland has a lot of potential, um, but there, there are fewer sites. You know, urban sprawl has covered a lot of what could potentially be vineyard land in Maryland. And, and the state, honestly, the state has not been as supportive as the state of Virginia. And I think hmm. that's why you see 270 wineries in, in Virginia and maybe a third of that in, in Maryland. So That's very interesting. But, the, but Crystal, the growth, where I see Virginia, I see uh, I see a lot of upside potential. Um, really, the only the thing holding back Virginia right now is uh, more vineyards need to be planted um, in the right sites, producing uh, grapes. And and you know, um, if you talk to a lot of wineries, business is good. The, the the issue is that there's a shortage of high quality, good grapes. People are planting vineyards, but if if the vineyards go in, and I think a lot of the new vineyards could potentially be in the Shenandoah Valley and um, down in the southwestern part of the state, if the vineyards if the vineyards are there and the grapes are there, uh, there's no there's no telling where Virginia could be in another decade or two decades. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see the growth. That's for sure, especially seeing it firsthand. And uh, you know, we're pushing 300 vineyards, which is amazing compared to where Virginia was 20 years ago. And I think people have to keep in mind that not only is California still in its infancy compared to Europe, but we really are a baby for the the modern day Virginia wine scene. So we really have nowhere up, nowhere to go but up, if you will. That's exactly right. All right, Jay, I'm going to take a quick break, and I want you to uh, stand by for just a minute, and uh, I'd love to talk a little bit more about your path to becoming a master of wine. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wine Studio. Understanding our world through wine and our part in that world. Wine Studio is a Twitter-based beverage education program produced by certified sommelier Tina Mori, who's worked in the food and wine industry for over 20 years. Wine Studio is grassroots marketing for beverage brands, regional organizations, PR firms, all who would like to reach millions each weekly session. Wine Studio also benefits tasting participants who meet winemakers, taste exciting wines, and become involved with beverage cultures from all over the world. Follow the Twitter hashtag, Wine Studio. That's hashtag, Wine Studio. Tuesdays, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and join the conversation. For more information, visit winestudiotina.weebly.com. Welcome back to the show. Jay Yeomans, Master of Wine out of uh, Washington, D.C. He owns the Capital Wine School and is the educational director there. Uh, he's joining us today, and we spent uh, the better part of the program talking about the Virginia Governor's Cup. Uh, the Governor's Cup case will be announced this coming week, which will be very exciting, and I'll be sure to report back to you on what those 12 finalists are. But since I have Jay on the phone today, he is a judging director for that, as I mentioned. He's also a Master of Wine. He has his advanced sommelier certification, um, um, as well as many other uh, certifications in the world of wine. And Jay, you've been tasting wine for the better part of 30 years. Uh, we've seen so much buzz about uh, 
the Sommier track, if you will, after that documentary came out a few years ago called Psalm. Uh, when I tell people that, you know, I'm pursuing, I, I my, my goal is to be a master of wine one day, and I'm working on the uh, diploma program for the WSET, people are like, oh, is that the same thing as a psalm? So there clearly is a, a lot of buzz around the word psalm right now, and I was hoping you could kind of take a few minutes to talk about the master of wine path and the differentiate, uh, the delineation between the two. Absolutely. Well, Crystal, so in back in, I guess it was 1993, um, the Court of Master Sommeliers was just starting to hit the U.S. Uh, two or three people had passed. Um, and the Master of Wine program was just really, they had opened it up a few years before that. Uh, back in the, in the early 80s, it was really only available to people of the British wine trade in the U.K., um, and so when I, when I got involved, I thought I would go down boat tracks. I thought, you know, <laughs> crazy. I thought I would try to get my MS and my MW at the same time. Cause you had nothing else um, going on, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell that to my wife or my three kids Goodness. at the time. But, um, uh, you know, so I, I have to say though, the, the, the master sommelier program helped me, I, uh, become a very a much faster in my tasting, mm. and I would say that studying the court, the uh, methodology for the court, the, what they call the grid, helped me be a better taster for the MW exam. And they're they're both very difficult uh, exams. It, it, it irritates me a little bit when I hear everybody say the MS is the hardest exam. Um, I would I would make a pretty good argument that it's it's very difficult. But the MW exam takes five days now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, in the MS, you taste six wines, the MW takes 36 wines. The big difference is that, uh, the MS is a track for people that want to get in the hospitality business, uh, the restaurant business, and the, the skills you need to pass that exam are much more verbal. Whereas in the MW exam, there's, it's, it's all written. So you have to write about your tasting notes. You have to write about topics on grape growing and winemaking, marketing, um, contemporary issues in wine. And then after you pass the theory and the tasting, you have to do a 10,000-word dissertation. So it's very, very much a, a written kind of uh, exam format. So they're both different. Um, but I would say there are more similarities between how to pass the tasting than there are differences. And uh, um, what, what blind tasting taught me is to be open, you know, not to let price or reputation uh, get in the way of whether a wine's good or not. And um, I think that's what makes me a good judge of being able to say how, how far Virginia has come is, you know, I, I know I taste these wines, and I, I know what I would say if I was tasting them blind. And, and I, I think that's the perspective I have that, that this program gave me. How many wines on average do you think you taste per year? Uh, last year I tasted almost 5,000 wines. Wow. Not quite. And, and, yeah. a, and a good majority of those blind? Uh, I would say, you know, only about 20% are tasted blind. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually, uh, uh, until recently, I was involved with the examination for the MW. And um, so I, I, I'm a little rusty in actually blind tasting, but I, I watch and listen to a lot of other people taste blind. Um, which in itself is, is you know, an education. Um, but tasting is, is a skill you learn. It's not, a, it's not something 
everybody mm-hmm. can become a good a good taster. That's a really um, good point that you bring up because when people say, "Oh, you you just must be born with that gift." And you know, I think people do have some, you know, some people have better palates. It's like baseball. You're not going to go out and be a Hall of Fame baseball player just by going out and hitting the ball hitting the ball one time, you know. So, it's something that can be developed over time, no doubt. It's it's practice, it's repetition repetition. Um, the practice is a lot of fun. <laughs> can be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's skills you know, it's interesting you say some people have better palates. I think we all have different palates. That's a good point. And you have, to, you have to develop your strengths, but you also have to bring up your weaknesses. We all have kind of blind spots, and um, people are colorblind to certain things. Well, in tasting, some people can taste certain things. Other people can't, and vice versa. So it's, it's developing your personal palate and um, – it's a little bit of what I find ironic in judging wine is that um, there is not one absolute uh, quality in wine. There, there's going to be something that appeals to almost anybody. If the wine's technically correct and it's not faulty, um, there's 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 somebody that's going to like that wine. And and I think that's what most people don't realize is that um, you you have to find what you like, and that's what's important. Absolutely. And I always encourage people to drink what they like, but also be be open, willing to, uh, you know, step outside the box a little bit and drink outside the box, try some new things. Uh, speaking of Master of Wine, since you've gotten that, you were actually the 21st American to achieve that uh, to achieve that certification. So I know you're very humble about that, Jay, but that is such an accomplishment. And you've since opened the Capital Wine School up in D.C., which is, uh, if not the preeminent wine education uh, program up in up probably in the East Coast, if not one of the top couple on the East Coast. And you're one of the only approved program providers for the WSET diploma program. So talk a little bit about the school and what uh, what the offerings are up there. Well, we, we, we opened the school up about four or five years ago, and uh, the plan was to, you know, it was going to be small, and we we're going to offer it mainly to people in the trade. And, and it was not, you know, the business model was just to kind of, break even, not, not lose money. And what I quickly found out is that 75% of the people that come to this school and take classes from us are, are people that are not in the wine business mm-hmm. that just want to learn about wine. Um, you know, they've all been to tastings or wineries, but they, they want something a little, with a little more substance. And um, so it's actually, the school's done a lot more than I ever anticipated it would. Um, we offer the WSET the Wine Spirit Education Trust courses. There's four levels. We offer courses uh, on you know, through the what's called the Wine Scholar Guild on French and Italian wines, the Society of Wine Educators. Um, we also have the Italian Wine Central Program, which is also very good. But And we've cooked up a lot of our own classes just for people who want to come have fun. It's not just about certifications. Um, we try to keep it unpretentious. And, uh, and 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 light, um, but people that come to us are, are you know they come here because they want to learn a little bit more, um, and uh, and it's been a lot of fun offering that, and and I think we we do we, we're constantly trying to improve our offerings, but uh, um, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun, and uh, the WSET is probably the biggest most well-recognized international credential there is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The emphasis in that program is not just memorizing a lot of facts, but understanding the the factors that make one wine different from another 
Um, there's also a big emphasis on tasting skills and learning how to articulate what you think about a wine, not what you should be thinking about a wine. So uh, whether you're in the trade, and we're just about out of time, so I want to make sure we uh, plug the website for you. Whether you're in the trade or you just want to learn more about wine and you're up in the D.C. area, you're, you're half a day drive from there, I encourage you to go check, check out some of the classes at the Capital Wine School. And, Jay, where can they find out more information about that? Well, our, our website is uh, capitalwineschool.com, uh, capital with an A at the end. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, you can always email me, jay at capitalwineschool.com. Well, that sounds great. Jay, thanks so much for taking time with us. There's so many. I mean, we could talk for hours about wine. There's so much to talk about. But I appreciate your time today uh, telling us all about the Virginia Governor's Cup. And I look forward to seeing you uh, next week at the uh, gala. Thanks, Crystal. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to Crystal Palette's Wine Country this week. Uh, to check out past episodes, head over to crystalpalette.com. Until next weekend, have a great Saturday and uh, filled with love, laughter, and fabulous wine. Cheers.